listening to Treasuring Scripture, a podcast of the weekly teaching ministry of Lebanon Baptist Church, Roswell, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry, please visit us at LebanonBaptist.org. And so uh, he is in recovery from that, so please be in prayer for him. From what I understand, he's doing well, but uh, I know he wished he could be here this morning, and uh, he may try to get here tonight. So what we're going to do this morning is kind of do a part two of something that I wasn't intending to do a part two of, so I'm really excited about this. Uh, Just a few weeks ago, uh, we we talked about committed discipleship. It's one of our core values. And uh, so I'm going to to go down a little bit of memory lane here just from about three weeks ago or so, or I don't remember how many weeks ago, but just to restate and and go through a little bit of that message uh, because now I have part two. So this is great. All right, so just to recap, our mission as a church, okay, is to make disciples of Jesus for the glory of God. Our values, they're biblical priorities we must embrace in order to fulfill our God-given mission. And so we have them there. If you can see that and read that, we've got corporate worship. Well, we start with biblical truth that's kind of foundational. Then corporate worship, constant prayer, committed discipleship, spiritual unity, faithful stewardship, and intentional evangelism. So we are going to continue today with kind of a part two of what last week was part one. So here was last week. Okay, This is kind of the overall core value. We help each other follow Jesus through the prayerful ministry of the word in loving relationships. Okay? Last week we went through this. We went through Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And I've kind of summarized it here. But he gave to the saints, right? He gave them gifts, he gave them people to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. And we learned from that that the goal of ministry is maturity, maturing up into Christ-likeness. Continuing on in that section of verses, from whom, that is Jesus, the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And we we took some time to zoom in there on verse 16, and we kind of broke that up. But the primary piece that we learned from that is this, that growth towards maturity happens as each member exercises their gift in love. Okay, and we talked about what that looked like. All right, so now we get part two, okay? Part two on committed discipleship. So here's kind of the main idea for today. Every believer must engage in life-touching life relationships. Every believer must engage in discipleship relationships. Now, that might sound a little churchy in the way we say that. So let me, let me say it another way. Every person in this room that is a believer in Jesus Christ, and especially, okay, those of you who have covenanted together in membership to, th- to this body at Lebanon Baptist Church, okay, you must pursue and engage in spirit-empowered, mutually life-giving relationships. Now, that sounds great, but it's really dangerous and scary. It's simple, and yet it's hard because it means being vulnerable and allowing people into your life. 
Okay. And I want to give us two, what I want to do today is I want to tell you two reasons, okay, why you should all do this. Why you should pray for strength and engage in this regardless of the risk. And so these two reasons I want to give you are all throughout scripture, all right? We could find one passage. That's why I read the passage there in 1 Corinthians 12. But we're going to be jumping all around to different passages today. But I want, before we even jump into that, I want to look again, and I want to use this kind of as our opening prayer this morning. I may use it as our closing prayer too. But go to the book of Ephesians. There's a prayer that Paul prayed just before our passage from last week. And it's interesting because it's a little bit of a confusing prayer. It almost feels like he redoubles back on himself in the prayer. But the reason for that is he's praying that the individual person, all of us individually, would be strengthened by the Holy Spirit in our inner being. Okay? So we need, all of us individually, to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit in our inner being so that, and this is where it kind of seems confusing, so that we'd all have strength. (laughs) You're like, what? Strength so that collectively as a group we can experience how amazing and vast and diverse and beautiful the love of Jesus Christ is. We actually need inner strength to be able to have the strength to be able to experience and understand God's love for us. Let's, let's read through this and pray it, asking God to help us. Paul says in chapter 3 of Ephesians, verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God." We desperately need strength in order to engage in these types of relationships. Relationships that will help you to understand the love of God are dangerous. And you need strength for it. And you need the strength of God in you to do this. Because you know what we're all going to want to do? We're all going to want to run away just as we're beginning to experience and understand God's love. Because we're going to find that it's transforming. And not all of us want to be transformed. Some of us just want to stay comfortable and cozy. You see, we have an interesting problem in our Western society. We have a dilemma of sorts that's painfully obvious, but no one really wants to do much about it. We are incredibly driven by individuality, independence. Right, is, is very much viewed as a hallmark of maturity. Most parents see as a main objective training up their children to live independently of them, out on their own, making their own mark, doing their own thing. The problem arises when those individuals start feeling lonely, isolated, 
and they discover that they are not enough in themselves. They're not sufficient in and of themselves. So they begin to look for some type of community. That's a, a real a big buzzword right now, community, right? We all want to feel like we have a community where we're accepted, where they belong. And so there becomes this kind of game. It's a back and forth. It's a game where we seek to keep and maintain as much independence and individuality as possible, and yet feel accepted and belong to a group. So the group ends up having to kind of do this dance as well in order to provide some semblance of togetherness and yet allow people to be completely independent and self-expressive without judgment. You see the difficulty, right? So we value independence. We value individuality. But where is it that people can be fully themselves, individuals, in fact, the fullest version of themselves, and yet incorporated into a group where they can be completely accepted and loved, valued, and be a benefit to the entire group? And I would recommend to you and suggest to you that it's here in the body of Christ is where all of those things are directly met. Now, that's all by way of introduction. I want to go into two points here. Uh, before we, well, before we do that, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's ask God to strengthen us, okay? Because you and I, we, I need it and you need it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we need your strength. It says that you have all the riches of your glory and that you can grant them to us to be strengthened in our inner man. Strengthened with your power. And Lord, we need that power. We need you to strengthen us so that we might, as Christ is dwelling in us, as we're rooted and we're grounded, we might be able to understand and to know the love that you have for us. Lord, we need your grace for this. And so we ask for you to do this. Help us even now this morning as we look at some more texts of scripture. I pray, Lord, that you'd keep me from saying something that I shouldn't say. I pray that you and your, your spirit would work in individual hearts. That, Lord, if there's, if there's conviction over sin, whether it's keeping oneself from the community, keeping oneself from others because of fear and insecurity, or whether it's a, a, domin, a domineering attitude within the community, Lord, I ask that you would help us to both receive and give within this community, within this church. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We kind of already went through this. Reason number one. Here are the two reasons, okay? So back to the main point here. Every believer must engage in life-touching life relationships. That's kind of the main point. I want to give you two reasons. Reason number one is you need the body. You need the body. First of all, the gifts you need to mature are scattered throughout this body. Okay? I think Brian, uh, Pastor Brian has said it uh, in this way. He said the tools that you need in your personal life are actually in everybody else's toolbox. <laughs> All right? So you got to go around and find out who's got the tools that you need in order to change and grow and mature. And that's the concept, okay? And we even looked at the verse there in Ephesians chapter 4 that talked about how when all the body is working properly, it builds itself up in love. But look at this verse in Romans chapter 12. By the way, if you want to note some parallel passages, okay? Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4 
are often kind of parallel passages, a lot of similar ideas, which is why we'll bounce back and forth between some of these. Okay, Romans chapter 12. Verse 3, he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not, have, not, do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually, catch this last part, and individually, members one of another. Okay, do you catch that? So each individual is actually a part of you. Okay? So... You have a great need for the other members of the body. Without the other members of the body, you are not complete. You are not whole. Now, that, that immediately humbles us, which is why he says you need to actually think correctly about this. You need to have sober judgment. Don't think, don't think too highly of yourself. Now, this is a great, a great kind of rebuke for some of us in this room who, rather than tending to fear that we don't have anything to give feel that we have everything to give and that everybody should listen to us and everybody should take our advice. He says, whoa, 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 hold on. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think because you, as gifted and as smart and as beautiful and as talented as you are, you actually need every other person in the church as well. Now, I had to ask myself this question. So do I receive from other people? Or do I just like being the one giving? You see, there's this thing called control that we like. If we are the ones giving, then we can control the distance. Right? So if there's a problem we see, or there's somebody that we're seeing struggling with sin, or maybe there's a, a specific care need that has arisen, or a physical need, or some type of, something that's come up within the church that, that we see our gift, and we're like, hey, I, I, can, I can jump in there, I can help. Well, if we kind of, you know, keep control of the reins, then we can decide how much we touch that issue. I want to stay at a little bit of a distance. But here's the thing. When you're the one with the need, you're kind of like, anybody help? Anybody can help. Just help, right? So I guess the question that, that, that I've been asking myself, do I receive or do I just like to give? If I only give, then it's probably because I think too highly of myself. And I don't realize the desperate need that I have for everyone else in this body. So you and I, we need one another. And we need each other desperately. Okay? How else do I know we need the body? Well, we need others to help us not be deceived by sin. Let's go to the book of Hebrews. It was hard to select one verse from Hebrews, so I selected two, and it was hard to select two but I stayed with two, okay? Hebrews chapter three, verses 12 to 14. Let me give you a little bit of the context. Okay, the context, the writer of Hebrews is telling, the, he, he's, he's telling his audience, he's saying, hey, Jesus is better than anything else. 
Okay? He's the best there is. So hold on to him. Okay? Jesus is better than everything else. Hold on to him and don't let go of him. Keep believing. Don't go back into Judaism. Keep believing in Jesus. He's the best. Within that context, he hearkens often back to Israel in the wilderness. And how in the wilderness, they were full of disbelief. And in disbelieving, many of them died. Many of them did not, did not make it to the promised land. They didn't make it to their destination because they quit believing in God. Within that context, the writer of the book of Hebrews says this, Take care, brothers. Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. In other words... Take care, brothers, that's plural, that's all of us, brothers and sisters, lest there be any of you, that's individuals, who have an evil, unbelieving heart that leads them away from God. Guess what? This group corporately needs to be taking care to make sure that there's not one, two, three, a family that strays away from God and falls away from him. That's a responsibility put on the body's shoulders. It's there. It should be heavy. It's a responsibility on our shoulders to take care. Look at chapter 4, verse 11. Again, he's illustrating entering into the promised rest. He's talking about the Sabbath rest of God. He says, take care. Let us therefore strive, us, I highlighted us, let us, collectively as a body, therefore strive to enter that rest. So that no one, there's the individual, may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Now, I love this passage, and I could preach like a message every month on this passage because it's my favorite passage, okay? He goes on right after this to say, what are you supposed to strive with? You're supposed to strive with the word, right? He says, for the word of God is sharper than a two-edged, it's active, it's alive, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, it pierces, it knows everything about you, it can discern the thoughts and intents of your heart. Wow! It's really exposing, and the word causes you to be really vulnerable, ultimately, before God. But guess what? We're supposed to collectively, as a group, strive with the word, Okay, so as we strive with the word, as we strive to enter into that rest, guess what? It will help no one individual fall away by the same sort of disobedience that the Israelites had in the wilderness, where they stopped believing. Okay, now, let me, I'm going to state my next point, but then I'm going to, I want to make sure I clarify because I think some of you are going to get heartburn, okay? This next point is this. We need others to help us make it to heaven. Okay, now pause. All right. I'm not saying that we're not saved by grace alone through faith alone, through the finished work of Christ alone, and that there is an eternal security for believers. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. What I am saying is this. You and I, God has ordained, okay, 
that one of the means by which he keeps his own is actually the body. He's ordained that the body be part of the means by which you make it to heaven. Okay? Now, I'm not saying you can lose salvation. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that the very means by which God keeps you saved is this group of people right here. How is that possible? If you don't both receive and give. See, some of you, actually, you are struggling with the deceitfulness of sin. The second point. It's got you caught. And if you don't kill sin, sin kills you. First John says that if you're not, if you're not progressing, if you're just living, you've, you've allowed sin to, to be at home in your life, then you're in danger. You're in danger. Hebrews chapter 12 talks about the danger of discouragement, the danger of becoming so disheartened that you quit everything. And so in Hebrews 12, we're exhorted again to make sure that there's nobody around us like Esau who quits when it gets hard. Now, Again, it's going to be hard, which is why we go back to that Ephesians passage we prayed. We need strength, strength from God in our inner being with Christ dwelling in us so we're rooted and grounded so that we can understand and comprehend the love of God. We need that type of strengthening from God so that we can grow in our understanding of how much God loves us. So you desperately need the body. You need the body because, well... The gifts that you need to mature, they're all around you. Everybody else has them, which means you got to receive. Are you willing to receive the gifts from other people? Are you willing to receive other people speaking into your life? Or do you, are you the one with all the right answers, the right perspective, the right balance? You need others to help you not be deceived by sin. When you start flirting with sin, when you start being deceived by sin, is anybody else in this room going to know it? Not unless you open yourself up to other people in this room and say, help. Help. But we can be deceived by sin. And in our deception, there's actually danger that will harden ourselves off from the body. And we'll begin to distance ourselves from the body. We all know. We've all seen it happen. They begin to distance themselves from the body. They don't want input. They don't want people digging in their life. No, it's, it's none of your business. I'm my own, just leave me alone. I'm kind of my own person. And soon they, they're, they're, they're falling away. They're falling away. And now they don't even believe anything. There's a deceitfulness of sin. So we need others to actually help us make it to heaven. We need each other involved in one another's lives. But again, that's scary. That's vulnerable. That's dangerous. We need God to help us. So number one, the number one reason why I think every single one of us needs to develop and search for and jump into these life-touching life relationships, discipleship relationships, is because number one, you need the body. You need the body. James 5 says this. I want to, I want to see this, pass, this verse real quick before we're done with that last point. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. 
You know, we need one another and we need to be out there looking and watching. Hey, you're wandering. Come back. You're wandering. Come back. Let me help you. Let me show you how much God loves you. We'll need strength for that. All right. Number two. So reason number two, reason number one is because you desperately need the body. Reason number two is you were called to give. You were actually called to give. Now, this is, this is so ironic and, and, and so cool, okay? Get this. Here you are, super needy. You need everybody else in this room. And yet, you're supposed to give to other people. What? <laughs> you are a new creation, a well, a spring of life. I want you to turn to another one of my favorite passages, John chapter 4. John chapter 4, you can read it here or you can turn there, but it's the woman at the well. This woman who has so much going against her. Society is against her. Her own sin is against her. Uh, Her own thoughts about herself are against her. There's a lot against her. Jesus intentionally sets up this meeting where he meets with her and he comforts her, but he rebukes her at the same time. He assures her that she is indeed a loved one of God. And that if she will receive and accept God's love, receive what God has done for her, something will happen. Jesus said to her, John 4, 13 to 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. All right, so if you've received Jesus Christ, guess what you are? You are a well and you are a spring. And what do wells and springs do? They bubble up with fresh water. And if you let a well do what a well or a spring do what a spring does, it creates a little lake or it creates a river or a stream because that's what they do. So you actually need to be giving and investing because it's actually what you're called to do and it's part of your identity it's part of who you are you've been made a new creation in jesus christ you've been given new life and this new life is not just for you but it's actually for the entire body you were called to give okay what well the pathway to joy is through self-sacrifice The pathway to joy is through self-sacrifice. We could go back to Hebrews chapter 12 again and we could see the verse that says that we're looking to Jesus. Why? Well, because he was the one who for the joy that was set before him, what did he do? He endured the cross. So for joy, for the joy that was set before him, he went through self-sacrifice to get there. Got some other verses though I want you to look at. Okay, Acts 20.34. I believe it's Acts 20.35, sorry. Acts 20.35, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Okay, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, some of you are like, ah, that's why I only give and I don't receive. (laughs) No, 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 he's not saying don't receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive, right? And in context, right, what he's talking about is is this idea of self-sacrificial giving. Okay, John 15, 11. Jesus says to his disciples, these things I have spoken to you that your joy, that, that, excuse me, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Okay, joy is a big deal. 
It's a really big deal, and the thing that's going to give you the most joy is actually living for the glory of God and in accordance with the purpose with which he made you and gifted you. And so here you are in this body where everybody else has the parts you need for maturity, but you have a part that other people need as well. And if you're going to have the most joy, well, then you're going to be giving. You're going to be engaging in these relationships where you are fulfilling your purpose. You're living life on purpose. And there's joy because you're connected not to something that's just self-centered. You're connected to something others-centered and ultimately for the glory of God. That's where joy comes from. That's why Paul could say in the book of Philippians, in multiple places, right? He talks about the fact that he was willing to sacrifice and give of himself, and count all of the strengths he had as weaknesses because there was something better to gain. Ultimately, it was joy in Jesus. Which is why he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. All right, so there's a joy-filled, God-centered type of living that is a giving life. And so, Lebanon Baptist Church, believer here today, do you want joy in your Christian life? Then be one who gives sacrificially, who gives sacrificially to those around you, because this body needs you to actually be a spring and to be a well, giving out life for the benefit of the body. Reason number two, it glorifies God. Reason number two, it glorifies God. You are called to give and it glorifies God. God. We can look at, a lot, again, a lot of different passages. I want us to look at two. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Again, some of these parallel passages to one another. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I want you to notice, kind of as he's, he's transitioning in the book, okay? he's beginning to go into a lot of the application, a lot of the so what. The whole book of Romans is about how the gospel, okay, the gospel transforms a life. Okay, And that the gospel of God, the good news is that God justifies sinners. Okay, In mercy, he does this. So, Romans 12, 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, there's the body, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. To present your bodies... As a singular living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It's acceptable to God, and it's your spiritual worship. Let's flip over to chapter 15. He's going to continue through chapter 12 into 14, and he's going to be talking about this, this one anothering. How do, we, how do we live in the context of relationships with other people? And he talks about the gifts there in the beginning of chapter 12 and how we need to use them. But, but then he ends up getting into kind of some complex and deep issues. Well, what if people disagree with you? Or what if somebody, somebody's offended by what you do? And how do you handle all this type of stuff? And he goes in there and he, he's talking in Romans chapter 15. I'll read verse four, uh, chapter 14, verse 19 to you because I think it's relevant and then we'll jump to the other one. He says, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. So again, we're in the context of the body working together, building each other up in chapter 15, verse 2, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself. Okay, and again, that's kind of that other point I just mentioned, the self-sacrifice point. Now to this verse, verse 5. May the God of endurance, he's, he's, 
He's praying this. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ welcomed you for the glory of God. For the glory of God, you're doing this. Okay? So, reason number one why you all should engage in life-giving, life-on-life, life-touching life ministry relationships, discipleship relationships, is because you have a desperate need for every other person in this room to invest in your life. Other people have the gifts and the tools you need for your, your maturity in their toolbox. Okay? But secondly, you also are called to be a giver. To be one who is self-sacrificing and giving of himself, giving of herself to other people. And if you do that, it glorifies God. It actually magnifies the beautiful work of Jesus on the cross. It magnifies the unity of the spirit within the body. It magnifies God's using people like you and me to actually accomplish his purpose. So every believer must engage in life-touching life discipleship relationships. Now again, this is, this is a little bit scary and it's a little bit vulnerable, okay? Some of you have tried this before. And you feel like you got burned. You, you, you kind of decided to let people in to meet your needs, to be a receiver. You were like, okay, okay, I'm in a place where I need help. And, 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 and okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of open up to people and, 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 you know, receive. And you opened yourself up and you got destroyed. Someone gossiped about the very thing you had opened up to get help with. And you're like, oh, wow, I never ever will I ever do that again. I mentioned it last week, but do you know that gossip kills churches? Every, I mean, every, every sin does. If we continue in sin, sin kills churches, right? Sin kills individuals. But there's something about the unity and the community that's supposed to be happening, the one anothering that's supposed to be happening, that when you go to somebody else and you talk about them, it really does damage. Can I just make a suggestion as well that it's really lazy? I mean, what is the easiest thing in the world to talk about? It's so easy to talk about other people's problems. That's easy. Opening up and talking about yours, you'd rather die. It's not easy. It's super easy to talk about, you know, someone's kid in the children's program and how they're messed up, right? That funny thing that happened in nursery. That's easy to talk about, but you know what? Hold on, wait. The whole focus of last week, or last time, it wasn't last week, last time we did this, was this idea of speaking the truth in love and building one another up. That speaking the truth was not just, hey, you've got a, you got a hair out of place. It was actually the truth of Jesus Christ and who he is. It's hard to talk about that because it means that you've got to discuss your relationship with him. And for some of us, that's where we want the control. I will hold back 
and I'll invest if I see someone who has a need that maybe I've dealt with in my life and I've got it all under control. You know, I used to struggle with that back in the day, but now I don't anymore. Let me help you with that. But we're unwilling to let people into our current struggles and our current issues. So, again, we need one another. And we're called to do this. Now, let me, let me, so I touched on gossip. Let me touch on one more thing before I go, go into my conclusion, okay? I've heard countless times from people, nobody's ever discipled me. Nobody's ever, like, poured into me. Nobody's ever, like, you know, mentored me spiritually. And you know what? I, I applaud you seeing that and looking for that and going inward and saying, you know, what? I have needs. That is very good. To look, at, to look and say, I have needs. I need people. I need other people. I need spiritual people to speak into me. But do you know what's amazing? Is that the solution in many ways to getting your needs met is for you to start giving. It's like a coin. On one side is the fact that you're desperately needy. On the other side is the fact that you are amazingly gifted and called. And it's the same coin. It's you as an individual. You have great need and yet you also have a great gift. And so as you, rather than looking inward and saying, I need all the attention, I need all the focus, I need to grow. Yes, you do. But amazingly enough, as you step out and begin to give, and as you begin to invest in other people, there will be lots of opportunity for you to then open up and say, can you invest back in me? In fact, discipleship is not top down. It's not, I'm on level three and you're on level one. Let me figure out how to help you get past that, that level. That's a video game. Okay, my children play those and whenever they get to a hard spot, they say, daddy, can you come beat the bad guy? Okay, that's not Christian discipleship. Christian discipleship is not necessarily top down. Like I'm better than you. Let me help you get to where I am. There's part of that in there. But you know what? The person who's helping somebody else, guess what? They also get helped. They get help because real help becomes vulnerable. Real help becomes help that is beneficial to both. It's mutual. It's life-touching life. It's discipleship. So, Lebanon Baptist Church, I want to implore you to be pursuing and engaging in these types of relationships. Every believer must engage in life-touching life relationships. Now, I have a little bit of time left, and I did this intentionally because I want to talk to you about growth groups. Okay? I want to talk to you about growth groups because they're an integral part. Small groups are an integral, integral part of our discipleship process here. Here's kind of the, the two ideas from this, from this morning. Okay? You have a great need, so receive ministry. And you have a great calling, so give yourself. I want to talk to you about growth groups. There are two reasons we do growth groups here. You can say two purposes. What, what, are, the, what are the two purposes? Okay. First of all, to provide care for the body. As we read in that 1 Corinthians passage, it talks about how basically the whole body is functioning so that care is given to every member. Okay? So we want to provide care for the body. You say, well, what kind of care? Well, every kind of care. All right? If, you're, if, if, the, group, if the group can meet the need, then great. If it's beyond them, then, then push them to get help outside of the group. All right? But provide care for the body. We, we work diligently and, and, and we try to keep track of who is in our group and whose needs are coming up and we try to meet those needs. Provide care for the body. But then two, to facilitate these life-touching life relationships. You see, I mean, our, our, I think our church is a great example. 
Okay? When we close out the service, we say you're dismissed, or you're sent, or whatever we say, okay? A lot of you, 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 skip, you kind of go out and you leave and you jump in your cars and you go to restaurants and you eat with friends and you eat with other church members and you have great talking. And then some of you, you like just want to stay here. And you're kind of like, oh, this is my happy place. And so you come and you stay and you talk with one another and, and you're in here for like an hour afterwards. And it's like, it's lunchtime. Let's go eat. But, but you're, having, you're, you're fellowshipping with one another. And some of you do that out. Some of you do that in. And that's That's wonderful. But I would suggest there's only so much you can do in the time after here, right here. You probably do need relationships outside of this one gathering. You need to be connecting with people, making sure to engage in life-touching life relationships outside of this group. So some of you are like, well, how do I do that? How do I do? Well, we want to we want to make it easy for you, so we we recommend that you jump into a small group. Now we talk at our church. We we talk about the big group, the medium group, and the small group. The big group is this group right here. You are the big group, okay? You are the big group. There's a medium-sized group, and those are the groups that met just before this group. Those are your life stage classes, okay? Those are the classes where there's a lot of education. There's a little bit more emphasis on education. There's a little bit more emphasis on teaching doctrine or teaching practical help in the Christian life in particular topics, okay? That is your medium-sized group. But even in those medium-sized groups, sometimes it's hard to, like, you know, get an individual relationship going on. Especially if you want to talk about anything personal. You're kind of, you don't want to just sit there and whisper. You know, and then someone comes up and you're like, you know, pretending you weren't talking. Or, hi, we're going to talk about something else now. So you try to get even more small into small groups. And there you go. There's our third group. Small groups. We've got the big group, the mid-sized group, and then we've got small groups. Within small groups, there's Bible studies, ladies' Bible studies, men's Bible studies. There's different... Um, category, you know, different age groups of Bible studies that are going on. But then there's also our growth groups. Okay, and what our growth groups are, we've got about 18 of them, I think, 18 or 19. And those groups meet all over the city. Okay, some of them meet here. Some of them meet in homes. We've got some in Canton. We've got some in Woodstock. We've got some in Roswell. We've got some in Marietta, down in Sandy Springs area. We've got, we've got kind of small groups, growth groups, all over the place. And if you want to get plugged into one of those, it doesn't mean you're going to find your, like, you know, your super spiritual match there. Like, hey, this is the, this is the couple that's going to invest in us. Or, but, but what it does, it just provides opportunity for relationships. It provides opportunity for fellowship, to talk about the things of God, to do the very thing we're talking about. So there are two purposes that we have growth groups. One is to provide care for the body. Two is to facilitate, to provide for you opportunities to build relationships with individuals, couples, smaller groups, where you can invest deeply in one another's life. Okay? So I want to encourage you to prayerfully consider committing yourself to jumping into those groups. Again, it's scary. It's vulnerable. It might be awkward a little bit at first. But just jump in. Give yourself to those groups, seeking to grow, seeking to push each other towards Christ-likeness, both receiving as well as giving. How do I join a group? Well, you can fill out the form online. There's the QR code that that, uh, Mark showed at the beginning of the service. Maybe we can put that up at the end again. But you can scan that. I'll get an email from that directly. I'll send you some groups that meet near you geographically. Feel free to visit some of those. Go and visit and see how they do it. Okay? Make sure you let me know so I can let the leader know. Request a specific group. Maybe you know of somebody. You're like, hey, this is my friend, and they're in a group. Can I be in their group? Yeah, totally. 
Okay, so request and ask, and maybe we can get you involved in a group. You say, well, do I have to be in your growth groups? No, you don't. But you do need, you do need life-touching life relationships. That is a must. That is a must. All right, so please get involved in life-touching life relationships. Every believer must get involved in life-touching life relationships. Would you pray with me this morning as we conclude our message? Life relationships. That is a must. That is a must. All right, so please get involved in life-touching life relationships. Every believer must get involved in life-touching life relationships. Would you pray with me this morning as we conclude our message? Thank you for listening to Treasuring Scripture. It's our desire that every Christian treasure God's Word in their heart. To follow our podcast, please hit the subscribe button. If you're interested in learning more about our church, please visit LebanonBaptist.org.